Greetings, infidels. You are listening to Slick Minus Life, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Slick Rick Whitfield. Okay, yeah, my name is Ricky Whitfield. I'm a 40-year-old white guy, born and raised in Las Vegas. I've lived in seven different states, but I've lived here in Florida since 2011. Orlando specifically since 2013. I'm kind of a loner, I'll admit at times. I march to the beat of my own drum. I do my own things. I'm a sports fan. Yeah, I do have a collection of jerseys. Mostly personalized, but I do have a collection. I used to be a genius. Years ago, before my strokes, before everything, I actually tested, I believe it was an IQ of 153. So I used to be mental eligible. I'm a former radio guy. I used to do play-by-play for basketball, as well as host the weekly radio show, partly on my own, but also I had some help. Um, I also used to be a security guard. I used to be a mail handler. I used to handle mail for about four years. I used to do call center work. I did a few other odd jobs, but that's basically what you get with me. I'm a stroke survivor. And that's a big part of me, but it's not all of me. So this is basically a general, you know, observer. This is basically relating to me. I'm a general observer of life. This is basically, I'm going to talk about the stories of my life, the observations that are going on in the world, maybe some social commentary, maybe a random joke or two. We'll just go where this goes. But this is like Rick. And this is my podcast. And I'll be back in just a moment, and I'll give you today's story. What is up? What is up? What the heck is up? It is always like Rick again, and this is actually going to be a redo of episode 5 of the podcast. This is going to be talking a lot about... I'm going to talk about my trip to Arrowhead Stadium in 13. Um, I initially did an episode. It was about, I think, two and a half hours long. So I apologize for the length of it. But, um, I listen, I kind of ramble a little bit. And I'll admit that. But I did do an episode. And it was up live all of two hours. And I know this because I know when I put it up, I had... One play of the episode. Just one. And I know who listened to it. I'm not going to call him out, but I know who it is. And it's the same person that late complained to me because I was told that there were certain details I laid out in there that are probably a little out of bounds. I don't think there are, but listen, some people don't feel comfortable being shared on a podcast, you know, being out in any way and really it's one of those things where I've noticed more and more things about this person that it really made me start to second guess just where I stand there so I'll listen I'll, I'm going to address that with that individual in due time but I didn't want to make a big stink about it but because of that and I, the fact that I didn't want to put that person up the any potential snuff, I ultimately decided, let me just go ahead and pull it. And really, there were, there's a lot in that, and I was just, 
really kind of a couple things that I was told maybe really reconsider whether or not to continue with this project. But I decided ultimately, uh, we're going to go ahead and try to re-record this. So I'm going to try to trim it down some. Maybe this will be for the better benefit. Um, but I, I'm going to tell you this too. When I lay a podcast out there, it's, I don't really edit it. I just kind of let things flow as they come into my brain. I'm going to be honest with you about that. I am horrible about writing out notes. <laughs> I should be better at this. Um, there are certain topics that sh I should have notes or, a, you know, like an outline of what I want to talk about. But I can tell you to write this. I can tell you right now I'm not really good about writing scripts. I mean, if it's like a commercial or some spot like that that I've had to do... Um, which I'll talk about probably in the next episode about my radio career. Um, you know, when I was in radio, you have to write scripts all the time for, like, promos, liner, and whatnot. And you you have to know up front what you're going to say because you got to plan out how long you're going to do something. And you've got a very little time, you know, based on you know, what kind of background music or whatever, you try to limit how much time is going to be on there anyway. Um, when it's something like that, and it's very short span, very controlled, and it has to be, you know, pretty much, in, you know, within that set parameters, fine, you know, this is, you know, you need to be, write a script because you need to be able to follow it to the T. Um, that's like, if you ever listen to my podcast, you'll hear the ad. Now, I'll be honest with you up front. My reading of that is not the greatest, but it's out there. Um, I, can't, I haven't had a chance to pull it and re-record. They won't let me do it right now, so just for now, we're doing that. And if you listen to it, just please deal with, the, deal with that ad. For, it's like a minute. And I think I put... I think I usually put three of them in a podcast, typically. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. If they don't charge you, but for every play of those, I get like a penny or two, which I actually haven't gotten any money yet. It's building up in an account, and once I get to a certain amount, I can cash out. But I don't think it's going to get to be a real big amount. But the ad is only there... Basically, it's just to help offset bills. That's it. And it's pennies on the dollar. I mean, literally, I've got, I want to say just over a quarter in that account right now. Because this is a very low distributed podcast, very very low traffic. I think a lot of people just don't give a crap about me, except unless you're like really close to me anyway. So it's just one of the things where I just put my thoughts out there. and If you like it, cool. If you don't, all right, fine. You know, I've gotten some feedback already. And I'm still kind of, you know, trying to feel things out here a little bit. So that's where I'm at. Um, so, yeah, now you know why the episode was pulled. It was pulled after all of two hours. And that, with the Anchor app, I can record this podcast. I mean, literally, me recording this podcast is nothing more than 
a $4 pair of headphones with a mic jack plugged into my phone. My phone was probably the biggest expense. It was like 450 bucks. Alright, but this is a Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus that I bought, I want to say in March? Right, it was, I might have been April. It was basically when the stimulus money went out and I got it. First thing I bought is a brand new phone. Because the phone I used to have before was an S7. And I'd had that phone for over a year and the battery was starting to go on that. And I figured, you know, let me improve that plus. I was going to go S9, but I saw S9 Plus, a refurb. And it might have been a little bit less. I might think it was like 50 bucks less for S9 Plus refurb. I think. I can't remember. It's because, mind you, it's been, what, six, seven months. But I bought it. But literally, those are the only tools I use to do this podcast. I don't have a special mic. I don't have any like, tools. Um, when you listen to the intro to my podcast, now, that's probably... The only thing other than that ad that's kind of scripted, but that's not one of those things where I wrote a word-for-word script. It's an outline. I wrote probably at least 10 different things on this outline. I don't have the email anymore. I saved it in my email account before I was done with it, and now I think it's gone. But it was really just a tool there for me to look at and to kind of get and try to stay focused on what I was recording in a short amount of time. So that's where it is. Um, the last thing I'm going to have to do is apologize to you guys up front. My enthusiasm was like really high last week because, listen, anytime it's Raider Week as a Chief fan, those are the weeks in particular you really got to look forward to because, you know, there's pure hatred in that rivalry. Um, I think one of, might have been Kirk Morrison said this. By the way, Kirk Morrison, former Raider, but he's been, he's been in sports talk for a number of years, but he's like, he's like one word, blood. And you literally, that I think kind of describes that rivalry to an extent. Uh, when Marty Schottenheimer coached the Raider, coached the Chiefs, he made a big <clears throat> he made a big deal about that being a big rivalry, and he's like, you know, I mean, there were stories about, hey, even before they went to the locker room at the end of the previous week's game, they come in the locker room and you see, get your mind right, you see all these things about it's Raider Week, get your mind right, get focused. So it's a big deal there, um, but. Because I already recorded this once and I'm trying to really think through things and trying to limit how much exposure without exposing that certain individual's, you know, information that I quoted in the last shoot of this, it's going to really force me to kind of focus and maybe to some extent I'll lose my enthusiasm, lose the energy to get the show out. A lot of my shows, I have, uh, you know, literally, that's why you see my shows last two, three hours, and they kind of like, sometimes I ramble a little bit. Some of those are just, I'm just maybe a little too excited to talk about what I've got on my brain. 
and I just, I vent, you know, I mean, I let things go the way they go, so I apologize for that, um, so that being said, we're gonna start this, this is the reboot of episode 5, this is my chip, my trip, I mean a trip to Kansas City in October 2013, alright, um, give me just a second here, and I'll be right back with you. Okay, so I had to get a drink. And that's one of the things when I go through this show. I get a little dehydrated. And part it doesn't help that I'm on Lasix. Um, what's a Lasix? For, those who, for the few of you who don't know, Lasix, or the generic version I take, is called furosemide. It's a diuretic. It's a very basic diuretic. But I've been on this since... 2012. In fact, the anniversary of me coming up, being on this, is coming up on December 9th. This is the anniversary of my, on the first anniversary of my first stroke, I was hospitalized with a mild case of congestive heart failure. Lasix basically is a diuretic, but it's basically supposed to make you pee a lot, but it's clearing out certain, like, certain fluids in certain organs in your body. I had about 30 pounds of fluid build up around my heart that I peed out in two days. How do I know this? Because they put me on a scale when they first admitted me. They put me on a scale the day the next day and they put me on a scale the day after when I was discharged. They're like, you know, because they want to see where's your weight sitting at. Those urinals. If you ever in a hospital, they get Sometimes they'll give a guy a urinal. It holds, I, I don't know how much it holds, but it's probably at least half a liter, maybe more. I peed four of those out in the first day. All right. I peed the equivalent of 20 pounds of fluid out of my body in one day. So that should tell you something. So um, being on that, I tend to get caught mouth occasionally. And just talking at random, I tend to do that over time anyway. Um, for the few of you who've been around me since my strokes and you sit there and look at me, sometimes if, I'm, if I have the ability to have a drink in front of me, I'll be sipping on that constantly. And you're like, hey, just give me a second. That's why. It's because I, my mouth does not stay quite as... <clears throat> Moist, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know what the word to use is. Um, and I realized that that word bothers some people. Moist. Yeah. Moist. Moist. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, I'm messing people enough there. Um, but yeah, that, I've been on that for coming up on eight years. And that really is kind of a part why I have to drink so much. I also have to take this. I take like three different blood pressure medications. I have to take a few others. I'm not going to get into the whole big fiasco because I did a whole episode on my medical life, especially last like decade in one show. And I figured I don't want to bother the hell out of people with that over and over. But that's just to explain to you why I'm dealing with this. Um, 
So, anyways, yeah. Um, the idea for listen, I became a chief sand when I was nine years old, as I've described in a previous episode. So, I knew pretty early on that I was going to be a cheese fan for a long time, if not for life, which I'm pretty sure I'm going to be for life at this point, which I don't know how long that's going to be. I'm going to do the best I can. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I'm going to do the best I can to try to keep my health as good as I can, but there's nothing guaranteed. And... 50 seems to be the age that a lot of my family members are dying at. Not, not all of them, but 50 seems to be a good target age. And I'm 40 now. So making it to 50 is going to be a pretty awesome thing if I do it. Um, so that's really where I'm going with this. Um, but <clears throat> while I was sitting there in the hot, I think this is... It's one of the things I first thought about at 12, 13, seeing the Chiefs make the playoffs with, and make that run to the AFC title game with Joe Montana. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to be there. Unfortunately, living in Las Vegas back then, we, we couldn't even dream of having an NFL game there in Vegas. Not even a preseason game, which is funny. You think of Sam Boyd Stadium, and you're like, at one point, you know, if you had had a good enough push, you could have probably filled a game there. But, listen, people in general do not care about the preseason. Um, this is, there was an exception. It was two or three years ago. They actually had, instead of, because they were doing renovations up there at Hard Rock Stadium there in Miami, where the Dolphins played. The Dolphins decided... Oh, no, we're going to move our preseason games to Orlando. So they played over at uh, what's now Camping World Stadium. It's it's commonly been known as the Citrus Bowl because that's the New Year's Day bowl game they have there every year. It's called the Citrus Bowl. I've, I can't remember who's sponsoring it now. It's It changes every couple of years, something like that. But anyways... Um, about three years ago, they tried, They actually had preseason here. And the fact that they had NFL football in Orlando was a big deal. And people actually did do pretty well. It wasn't a sellout by any means. But it did sell pretty well from what I understand. Um, and I've been to the Super Bowl before. Um, I've been there. Let's see. Uh, in 2015, I was there for a... Soccer game, yes. I'm sorry about that. I'm not a fan of soccer, or sucker as it's usually referred to, because you have to be a sucker to watch it, because it's boring as hell. Um, first year that Orlando City had a MLS team, the Orlando Orlando City Lions. Um, they played the first two years up at the Citrus Bowl, so. I got a ticket to a game one time, and I got a free T-shirt, which I still have, by the way. It's it's the City Pride shirt. If you ever see a picture of me wearing that, that's where I got that five years ago. Um, got a couple other things during the pregame when I was seeing people give away stuff. Um, so it was a cool experience from that. But 
I can tell you the staff there, at least during soccer, did not have any clue what they were doing. I was told one place, oh, your seat's up there. And then somebody else was like, oh, I seat's up there. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Because I'm like, well, that's what my seat's at. But no, they put me in the wrong section. They want to move me in this place. They want to move me in that place. And I'm like, no, you can't be constantly moving around. Get me in the right place the first time, and that's it. If you don't want to get that right, then that's on you, and you need to refund my money. Well, I didn't buy the ticket. It was give, I won the ticket. So, that being said, I was just kind of like, eh, I'll sit there in the hallways, watch on TV or whatever, but as far as staying for the whole game, I'm not. So I left probably about halftime. Um, and then I went for, what's it, two or three years ago, they had, they were, here in Orlando, they have three college bowl games. They have the Switch Bowl. Um, they have another bowl about four or five days before New Year's. And then they have one in early December. Um, or maybe like a second week. But it's one of the early bowl games. And they call it, it's called the AutoNation Cure Bowl. Yeah. Not really sure. <laughs> not, not really sure why they decided on that. But anyways, went there for that. Went to the Cure Bowl and won tickets that time. It was Western Kentucky was playing Georgia State. And any of you know, Georgia, I'm not a big Georgia State fan. I don't hate them either, but, you know, Georgia State is basically the Atlanta College. Um, actually, in the city of Atlanta. Ironically enough, Georgia State's home games, you know where they play their home games at? At the old Turner Field, you know, the Turner... The baseball field they built for like 20, 25 years for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, the Braves got a new stadium, I think, what, two years ago? But they still got the stadium. Well, Fulton County contracted with Georgia State University and GSU. I think it's the Panthers is their nickname, but they ended up making use of that. So the fact that it's not just sitting there totally dormant, it's probably a good thing. Previously, they used the the old Georgia Dome where the Falcons play. When the old Georgia Dome made sense, they just wanted to do something to make some money there, but when they opened up the new Georgia Dome, they are like, yeah, we're not going to be cool with that. But they'd already had the new stadium by then for the Braves, so they're like, oh, why not just move them there? It's not going to force you to shut that old stadium down. It'll get some use anyway. So there, that's, you know, anyway, that's much story there. Um, but I actually am a pretty big Western Kentucky fan because my father, years ago, used to live in Glasgow about 30 minutes away. I used to live in Glasgow in 03 for about six months. So, and I've been on campus here before, so it's pretty interesting to be there. Now, I've never actually been to a football or basketball game on WKU's campus yet. Um, eventually, sometime I'd like to do that, but just the opportunities haven't presented itself for me to come there. And obviously, this year with COVID, yeah, it's ruined any ideas for travel. I'm still stuck at home here. Um, 
uh, some of you know my also my father two and a half years two and a half weeks ago um there's been talk of spreading his ashes i'm not going to be able to make it up kentucky for a while i'm probably going to have to sit out the winter and for those of you who've been through a kentucky winter it's not like horrible but there are some times where it can be it can be a little snowy rather cold and kind of hard to pass through um so that's where it is but yeah wq played Georgia state that day and that game and mind you the such both seats probably 60 some thousand people they couldn't get 20 in that stadium i think they had maybe 15,000 give or take on um, this is stadium wide Behind West Kentucky sideline, behind Georgia State sideline, they both had pretty good, you know, pretty good followings for their team. Georgia State, especially because you have people right from Atlanta coming out. But the sidelines, the sideline seating there was not the greatest anyway, and literally I had to walk to the back of the stadium to get to my ticket, to get to my seat. But hey, listen. They're free tickets. You can't complain. Apparently, it was $50 seats that my seats would have retailed for if I had paid cash for them. So, you know what? I'll take whatever I can get. And listen, I got the tickets for free when I was at a Thursday night football gathering up at Castaways, the same bar that last month I won, my t- I won a new TV at. Which I still haven't set up, by the way. I still have it in the box. Um, some of this is because I'm doing some changes in my room, trying to. I got a new bed frame here. Just literally, I just put it together Sunday. Um, one of my roommates actually had to help me put it together because it is a little bulky because of the steel. It's steel rods, but there's also wood slats that basically help prop the bed up. Um, but it's we're doing that in lieu of getting a... Um, <clears throat> whatever you call it. But basically, it's to give it enough elevation. They don't want to put... We, we don't want to put a box spring and not get enough cushion there. That's what it is. But there's like a good foot or so clearing between the bottom of the mattress and the floor. I would have to give you the exact measurements when I put a ruler there, but I'm not going to do that right now. But that's where I pretty much what I'm dealing with there. But once we get that settled and I get a couple other things moved around my room, I'm going to have to look for something to hold the TV because it's a 55 inch or so. It's wider than the 32, I think I have a 32 inch order now. It's a good TV. It's a good Samsung I bought. Three and a half years ago, and I've had no complaints about it, aside from the fact that occasionally I have had, I've had like three incidents where it's kind of locked up on me a little bit, but it's been temporary and they've been fixed. But the only downside, well, actually, there's more than one, but one of the downsides, I have WWE Network subscription, I've had it for a while, but 
they took the WWE app off of the Samsung store. So instead of being able to just launch WWE from that, I have to go through the Roku app. Now, I do have a Roku device attached to my TV. It cost me like, I think, 25 bucks, something like that. But I've got a Roku Express. And it's basically, it's not one of those things you plug and play. It's kind of a wired device, but I've plugged it in there. And they're doing that. And that gives me access to pretty much any Roku app I want. Um, so I watch my Hulu movies on there if I have want to do that. Um, really, I only pay. I pay for my. Excuse me. I pay for my WWE Network and the Disney Plus package. What is that? It's getting the Disney streaming service, uh, Hulu Plus. I mean, you know, get a Hulu. Although I do get Hulu with ads, so it kind of sucks a little bit but it's still it's, it's the fact that they normally charge you seven bucks for it really not that bad and then um there's also the espn plus package now they do some good documentaries but as far as watching in general programming watching the liberal slant to everything i'm like no i don't care for that and honestly if they had a package with that i, I could probably do without ESPN anything. But we also have to understand Disney owns a share of Hulu. Um, obviously they own ESPN and Disney themselves. They own the Star Wars package. They own the Marvel package. So they're pretty well you know, entrenched with everything. So you're not going to have to deal with that. Ironically enough, the TV I got, and I'll, eventually I'll get a picture of the box and show you everything. But it's a 55-inch TCL, it's a Roku TV. Meaning Roku's already preloaded on there, so instead of having to have my device hooked into there, all the Roku apps are already going to be on there. So it's going to save me a bunch of time doing that. So I'm very thankful. And by the way, I did test it after I wanted just to see if it works. And it works just fine. I got good picture and everything, but it's just kind of get to sit there so we box it back up put it back in the side room until we've got either a bigger dresser to sit it on or we've got a tv stand or something to hang it up top so i'm still trying to figure that out if anybody has any ideas please let me know <coughs> uh, obviously i don't want anything expensive but if i have something reasonable and that's workable i can do it i'm not you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't get, I, you don't need the frills with me. You don't need any big, exciting uh, um, furniture or anything. Like I mean, literally, I think even the clothes I wear, most of my clothing is pretty well cheap. Um, my boxers, are like, usually they're Food Loom or Hanes. It's like two bucks a pair or something like that. Then I usually buy them in multi-packs, so as they're at. Socks are socks, which, by the way, I usually wear those when I'm going out. If I'm just around the house, I'm not going to wear them. This is Florida. It's too hot, and honestly, I don't need them. I wear my shoes to go out once, twice a week, something like that. Maybe a little more if I go out walking, but that's about it. Um... 
so yeah um anyways i'm gonna apologize <laughs> i already ranted more than i thought i would um and i need to get a quick train so we're gonna go ahead and take a break and when i come back i'll tell you the story of my trip to kansas city i'm back everybody and i do like i said i do apologize that was a little longer rant to open the podcast and i usually do but i figured nah i'll just leave it in so anyways to get to the meat of this episode what convinced me to go to kansas city um like i said i grew up a chief fan and growing up in vegas you don't have any options to watch nfl football in vegas you can go to casinos and they show the sport they show football games on every sports book but of course you know unless you're 21 or older yeah you can't really be in the sports book there's one of the things you can walk into the casino if you're say going to a restaurant or if you're like an actual hotel guest or if you're going down to like in Sam's Club and Showboat there they have bowling so you, you're saying oh I'm going down the bowling alley alright they also have an arcade in both of them. Almost every casino there has some kind of an arcade. Mainly to they needed something to keep kids occupied. You know, as you've seen in if you're there in Vegas, you'll see some of the North casinos. I think Boulder Station has this way. I, I don't know about Texas, but I believe Sunset does too. They have like a kids play park. I think almost like right next to the movie theater. And some of this is like, well, you know, they can go see movies too, but you can't go into every movie. Um, obviously, NC-17, forget it. But most of those theaters and the casinos, when they were open, by the way, um, are not really going to show NC-17 because it's going to get a limit how much traffic they can get in there. Uh, and by the way, I don't blame Regal for not having the theaters open right now because they tried to reopen think briefly in like August, September and it just it didn't work. People by and large were still like, yeah a few people would be there but they didn't they they didn't come back in mass and they probably won't for a while. Uh, because of the whole you know, having to wear a mask shield. Listen, wearing masks is just out of the picture for long periods of time. That's why bus riding for long trips is not going to work. That's also why flying for long trips is not going to work. I don't care what these airlines will sit there and tell you. But having to wear a mask on a flight, I'm going to say, you know, let's say you have like a I'm not even going to go a coast-to-coast flight. Let's say I was going, like, just case in point, me talking about going to Kansas City. The flight itself is, like, two hours. All right? Trying to fly there, you have to be, now because of security and the fact that you have to go through all this fiasco with TSA for, just for them to search you to let you on, you're going to have to be there at least two hours before your flight because the security lines are slow as hell. I'm sorry. I realize they try to do what they can in some of these bigger cities, but they have too many people, and you will still eventually find people that will trip you up. 
Um, I think since 9-11, the only, the only airport I've ever been in that I've had no problems getting in was actually in 08, in, um, this is early November 08. This is the first trip I went to go see Xbox out there in uh, Canton, Akron, in Canton, Ohio. Where the Canton, Canton, Akron Airport is literally right halfway between the two towns. Because each town is like, 50, it's about, I want to say 20 minutes north to, I think, to Canton, and I think 20 minutes south to Akron, I think. But it's literally, they put the airport right in the middle there. So they, they didn't want to have to build two separate airports. If they're close enough, they figured, oh, let's put the airport here. All right. So <clears throat> that, was, that was the only time where I had no line whatsoever to go through security. Well, okay, maybe I had, like, three people in front of me. But literally, like, they were in and out, like, in, like, two minutes. Nothing. The second shortest I had was um, in March of 20, 2009 when I went to Pittsburgh to go visit Xbox. Yeah, when she was in Canton, Akron at that time, she was actually about 30. She was staying with a couple friends of hers about 30 minutes away in a town called Salem. Salem, Ohio, which is about two hours west of Pittsburgh. All right, so she, you know, when I actually flew to Pittsburgh with Sear, awesome to come see her. And she actually took the bus or whatever out from where she lived in Brookline out to the airport, which is not an easy feat. Driving is like a half hour. All right, and that's if you go straight through. That's assuming no traffic problems. It's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh traffic it's freaking insane. Their roads are not built very well. They cluster at some of the most awkward places, but that's what they do. Um, so, anyways, flying back from Pittsburgh to Norfolk back then, I think I probably had seven, eight people in front of me, something like that. It wasn't that many people. This is like, I think I had to get up at five in the morning for a flight that left at 7. I was actually running a little late because I had to gas up my rental car before I dropped it off. And I, w I actually, they tell you, at that time they're telling you, be here an hour before your flight. And I showed up at the airport about 40 minutes before my flight at the gate. And I was like, well, I can't check in on there because they have a kiosk. If you automatically want to check in, you can do that. I had a suitcase and all this. And they're like, oh, you want to go and I couldn't check in. They're like, oh, it's too short of a time. You need to talk to somebody there. No, there is nobody there, at, you know, waiting to talk to the ticket to the ticket counter people. So I talked to Lee. She's like, you should have been here. I'm like, I apologize about that. I got a little held up putting gas in my rental car before I dropped it off. She's like, right, that's fine. Just don't do it again. I'm like, that's fine. So I did that and trying to rush through the security thing. And all I'm going to be held up going through security to check into my gate. Going through security took five minutes, something like that. You know, for a big city like Pittsburgh to have that short of a line at that time, I was like, oh my gosh. That's rare. But this is also 
in March. I think in March of 2009, this is, you know, probably like this is the start of spring or right about pretty close to the start of spring. There's not a whole lot of people there to begin with, and most of the people in midweek are probably busy travelers anyway. I stayed over the weekend. I flew in on a Friday afternoon. I stayed and flew back from there to Norfolk on a Monday morning. And literally flying out there to Pittsburgh, I actually had to, I had to fly from Norfolk to D.C., change planes, and then go to Pittsburgh. It wasn't a straight shot. It should be in straight shot because it's not very far. Driving wise, it's about seven hours. But my flight time, because I had to change planes and whatnot, it took about three and a half hours, something like that. And most of that time was spent sitting in Reagan National, bored out of my mind, waiting to just go. So, anyways, that's my whole thing about the airport security. I'm sorry, that's the ramble there. Um, but anyways, this idea of, you know, going to a Chiefs game, I, I think really nagged me in my 20s. I, got, uh, I almost went to a Chiefs road game when they played the Redskins up there at FedEx Field back in 2009. Yes, back then, the Skins were horrible. There, I believe that was the last year under Jim Zorn. He was in... I think it was an offensive line coach, if I'm not mistaken, who had been promoted to head coach. And even you know, even the most diehard Redskins fan has probably left to scratch your head. Why is this guy being the head coach? He's never even been coordinator, and you're making this guy your head coach? Come on now. Um, apparently, he was good buddies with the owner, Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is a freaking moron on many levels and I'm sorry if you're a Deadskins fan you know he sucks and by the way the fact that they've had to change the nickname he's like oh we're dropping the Redskins name we're going to be something else you're probably going to be watching the football team for quite a while um, maybe it'll maybe it'll surprise me in the offseason but it's not going to happen this football season so there's that. Um, but like I said, think it's that game. You you would see on the second air market. They I saw. I think I saw one cheap as nine dollars. FedEx Field nine dollars, and that was back then the most expensive field to go to to watch an NFL game. It's since been surpassed. I, I believe that um, AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play might might be the most expensive. It's either that or MetLife Field where the Giants and Jets play now. I don't know which is higher. I would have to. I would have to get somebody to verify that information for me, and I'm not really one of these people where I'm, you know, raise a big sink. Um, you know, I'm obviously I'm not a Redskins fan, not a Giants fan. I don't hate the Giants, um, but. <laughs> You can't help but sit there and, uh, you know, every time I see the little Giants, I always see that scene right before the start of the game. And then you see the huddles like, Giants, Giants, help us, God. <laughs> yeah, every time I see that, I think that. I'm just like, 
Yeah, the Giants are just... <laughs> it's going to be a long road for them. I'm not... You know, but they've also turned things around quick without warning, so I'm not prepared to put a bunch of gravel on them and be like, oh, they're dead. No, because every time you think they're dead, they come back. The big thing they have problems with is their offensive line, which I actually applaud them for drafting a bunch of O-linemen this draft. I'm not sure if it's going to be enough time yet to develop them. Um, I'm going to say if you're a line fan, be patient with them. There, a lot of these guys, 22, 23 years old, just out of college, just getting drafted. You know, give them time. Linemen are probably the slowest to maturity because you got to have the size and skills all at once. All right. So, anyways, that was the closest I went to going to a Chiefs game, but ultimately decided a couple of days before I was looking at. I thought about it. I would have had to drive four hours to the south end of the D.C. subway line, which I think was, I can't remember if it was Wasslin or Springfield. It was somewhere there in the south suburbs. But I would have had to park there, get in their parking ride, and then catch the subway line, catch their, the, the subway line, I think it's the Metro Rail still. I only remember taking this a few times when I was there in, December 97. But I would have basically parked there and then take a subway. Might have had to take two subways to the FedEx field entrance. You know, FedEx field stop. Get off, go there, watch a game. A game, you're probably going to be there five, six, seven hours, something like that. It depends how serious you are for tailgate and how long you want to be there. But a game itself is going to be a good four-hour experience. Let me just clarify that right now. What you see on, the, on TV, you know, there are some TV timeouts and whatnot that kind of make the game drag out a little bit. But it also does help the health of the players. But if you're a fan, at some point you're like, come on, hurry up. And the game itself, an NFL game itself is like about three and a half hours. Probably they're starting to see people an hour and a half or two hours before a game. You're going to go there. Fine. Um, so, anyways, uh, then I moved to Pittsburgh in 2010. And I couldn't go to a skillless game that whole year because getting a nosebleed seat was like a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, oh, a couple hundred bucks? For just a random Steelers game? Like, no. And my Chiefs weren't coming to Pittsburgh that year anyway, so I was like, no, I have no desire to pay the money to go there. Not for that, no. Now, I will tell you, in Pittsburgh, the year I lived there, that people there are so nuts, they would sell out Hinesville, and you still have people in pizza shops, in any play, in any business where they had a TV, they would be watching the game while they'd be helping you. And if you got all frustrated, you know, you got to understand that they're fans too. Um, and they're having to work. So you got to be a little patient with them. Um, well, first or second game of the year, I actually went to a pizza joint just a few blocks away in the 
in the Brookline neighborhood. I used to live in Brookline, if you're familiar with Pittsburgh. But it was, I can't remember the name of the pizza joint. It was just some little rinky-dink joint. But I got a couple pizzas for me and my, me, Xbox, or kids. We all just kind of, you know, we're wanting something easy, quick, and cheap. So, that should explain that. But, as that season went on, you could see the city, I mean, and mind you, this is the season where the Steelers lost the Super Bowl at the end of that year to Green Bay. But you could see the passion in football fans there. And sports fans in Pittsburgh, let me, I, you know, I think Xbox told me this. And this is one thing that, one of the lines that did strike me. Pittsburgh is a drinking town with a football problem. <laughs> yeah, they, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of beer there in Pittsburgh and a lot of football there. You know, they're also, they're a Pirates fan too, but not as many thanks to the current ownership that has screwed things up there. Thank you very much, sir. Um, the Pens, though, are, have been pretty spot on. They've won, what, five Stanley Cups since 90? And they've actually, they won one in 09. And then they've won one in 16, I think they won them in 16 and 17. I believe that's what it was. Yeah, it was 16 and 17. And when I, and I did go to Pittsburgh to the old Civic Arena to see the, to see the Penguins take on my L.A. Kings. That was part of my trip in 09. Awesome trip, but it was you could tell that it was an old arena needed to be replaced. About a year and a half later is when they opened Consult, what was then Consult Energy Center. Now I think it's PBG Paints Arena. I think that's who sponsors the arena there now. It's not in what you consider to be a great neighborhood. It's in what they call the Hill District of Pittsburgh. Just on the northeast edge of downtown. It's Basically, basically it's it was one of the big black neighborhoods and when I'm saying black I mean not just like you know black people live here no I'm talking like ghetto black like you know you gotta wash your back or they might you know hold you up for something I never got that vibe the whole time I was there I heard all these stories about the hill district I've been there a handful of times never had one problem never so I think some of that is hype Maybe I got lucky. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I just got a feeling living there that year, seeing how spoiled their sports fans are, but how passionate they are. And even, you know, the Pirates, the Pirates have sucked for years. They're not going to draw anyway. But the Penguins always draw. The Steelers always draw. Now, because of COVID, they can't draw people in the seats. You know, you got capacity concerns right there. I guarantee you right now with them being undefeated, they're undefeated as of right now, 10-0. If they had the option to have people in the crowd there, the stands would probably be pretty close to full capacity there. That's how passionate the city of Pittsburgh is about the Steelers. 
So that's really when I started to really get in my head, oh, I've got to see a Chiefs game. I've got to go to see my Chiefs at some point. And I really wanted to go to Arrowhead. This passion goes way back to 90 when I was seeing one of the early games that I saw when they're playing and the crowd was so loud when they were playing the Broncos. John Elway was sitting there complaining and the ref actually had to get on a mic in front of everybody's stadium and say, um, we have complained about the noise here. It's like, I can't remember the quote, and I'd probably have to look at the tape to see it, but basically they said, you know, because of crowd noise, you know, we're going to issue a warning right now that the crowd noise needs to come down. If you don't cooperate, the Chiefs will be assessed a 15-yard penalty. That pissed fans off. People are like, shut up, shut up, and they still, like, made as much noise to get on Elway's nerves. So that should tell you right there. And that was the early stages of seeing how loud it was. Um, my strokes happened in late 2011, everything like that. And I spent a good chunk of 2012 in the nursing home. And I was sitting there. And one of the things is you have a lot of time on your hands. A lot of time to think and to brainstorm and to do nothing. Now... The good thing about seeing about the nursing home was seeing my LA Kings won their very first Stanley Cup in 2012. That was one of the few things that got me through during the summer of 2012. Say what you will, I love my Kings. Sorry, Gold Knights fans. I'm not. I don't hate your team. Um, I look. You know, I'm actually proud that the city brought in a brand new team. But it's kind of hard for me to just drop allegiances, drop allegiances at the drop of a hat, especially for a division rival. But I don't hate them. I don't. I never root against Vegas. I figure anytime you play the Kings, just let it be competitive and let everybody get out of there safe, and whoever wins wins. They haven't played in a playoff series, so I haven't really had my allegiance tested, at least in that capacity. But anyways, um, 2012 was also a bad year to be a Chiefs fan because you saw that was a horrible year. They were 2-14 and 14 that year, and that was when Romeo Cornell was still our head coach. And I, I listen, I'm not going to lay that all on Romeo. Um, I think, honestly, it was by design. Pioli was not the general manager that everybody gives him credit for being. Um, the reason why the Chief, why the Patriots had such a long run of championships was not so much for the GM. It was more the fact that they had a great system. Yes, I'm a system guy. Even though I don't like Belichick, I do have to respect the fact that he has a system. And... That, along with having a good, steady quarterback, a solid quarterback in Tom, Bra in Tom Brady, even though I hate his guts, I can tell you right now he's going to Hall of Fame first ballot, hands down. There's, you can't argue with that. The fact that the guy has six Super Bowl rings, the only quarterback to have six Super Bowl rings, he's going. So there's that. Um, but, yeah, that year really convinced me. Um I was kind of depressed over that. But, 
you know, I had other things going on. I was trying to recover. And sitting there, um, when I got a, when I got discharged from nursing home, I had a whole lot of nothing going on. All right. It, I mean, literally, I was out, and I think I had some. Phys- I had a few sessions of physical therapy, and, and then I ended up in the hospital. And I had get CHF. Um, also, I was meeting with um, a representative from vocational rehab. Um, many states will have a vocational rehabilitation program, something where they try to, if somebody who's looking to get retrained, somebody who's trying to enter the workforce, they'll try to point them in the right direction, try to figure out, oh, there are other places we can possibly put them. Now, part of this was I was always getting pressure too from my current landlord, who, I, by the way, I've lived with her between here and Perry. I've lived under her roof for um, what eight years? Yeah, eight years and some change. Um, eight years and probably about two and a half, maybe three weeks. Um, so, anyways, I'm sitting there. And of course, when, once you're out, vocational rehab would only come down on Wednesdays. The late, our representative, our representative, came down from Tallahassee once a week. Tallahassee to Perry is one, a one-hour drive, so you don't want to go between Tallahassee and Perry unless you have something that you need to get done. That's why you know my. My primary doctor for the first about six months after I got out of the nursing home was actually the same doctor that I'd been seeing in the nursing home. And we sat there and talked right before discharge, and I'm like, you know, I'm coming to see you when I get out. Is that okay? He's like, yeah, yeah. We'll keep you on there. Think we'll talk about things when you come to my office. You all know, have a little more time, and we can sit down and talk a little more. And that's when we were talking, um, you know, that's when he wrote me the script for physical therapy and we talked about things. And I was seeing him off and on for six months. Then, late April 2013, I come down here to Orlando. All right. Um, my landlord at the time was married to a guy. Um, if you ever been Perry, you know the tractor man, John Lee. Yeah, that's what I lived with. All right. That's all I'm going to say about him. Nice guy. Not perfect, though. But, you know, he's, you know, pretty good country guy. Um, John and me and this guy, I think it was Tony Sutton, rode with us. But well, we rode down from Perry to tell, from here to Orlando. It's about a four-hour drive here would take. And... This is a new way I hadn't taken before. Um, I hadn't taken the Ford of Turnpike before. So that was my first experience with it. We showed up out here, and I'm like, what the heck is this place? It's like out in the middle of nowhere. So I came down here originally thinking, oh, this is, I'm almost out in the middle of nowhere here. But ultimately, over time, it worked out pretty well. But I came down for a week. And during that week, during the initial week, I actually planned, in part, I was going to meet my friend Mark Young. 
By the way, I know you listen, Bark. What's up? It's my brother from another mother. I've known Mark 25 years in county. I met him in June of 95, way back in Caliente at the old, um, I think it was the Desert Road Deli. They actually had pool tables and they had a little arcade back there and karaoke machine. That's that's when I met Mark. All right, so I've known Mark. Mark's known me a long time. He's one of my. He might be my best friend. I'm not saying I'm horrible. I'm like very very close to a lot of people, but he's one of those guys where literally, I mean, there are times where I'll go months to a year without saying a word to Mark, and we're still like on the same page. And I can tell like that's my brother. And we didn't grow up with the same parents, but I loved him to death. I loved his parents, too. Me and his dad were close for a little while. We kind of drifted apart. And some of that's just me growing. Some of that's me questioning a lot of things. But, listen, I still love the guy. But I'd see, I hadn't seen Mark. When I first came out, I hadn't seen Mark in 15 years. I hadn't seen Mark since he drove me from... Kelly into the Vegas. And this was me le- leading up to me taking the Greyhound bus a few days later from Vegas to Minneapolis. I had so I hadn't seen him in fifteen years. So going fifteen years before seeing between seeing the guy, I was so happy to see my brother again. I know I'm thinking happening over time, and I'd like to see him more often. It's just. With them being in Texas, me here, and with the situation right now, kind of stuck with what it is. So, visit with him. Another friend of mine was actually coming out here on two days' notice and was down here for in Orlando for, I think, uh, for like a day here, and then was down went down to Clearwater Beach, which is about 90 minutes west of me. And I hadn't seen her also since high school, so I was like, oh, this would be cool. I'm, I'm seeing two friends of mine from high school. And she actually rode down to the temple, the Mormon temple, over there on the west side of Orlando. That is the one and only time I've ever been there. It's really, literally, it's kind of off the beaten path from most normal things. But, I mean, it does pretty I, I listen what do they've got they I, I imagine when they first built it there wasn't much of anything there and they figured oh this we've got all this land to work with if they want to build around it fine and that's just the way it is that's the way there's a lot of big cities where you get these temples and you're not picking you, they're basically the LDS shirts pick spots that were cheap Spots that had a lot of open land, they figure, oh, we're going to do this and eventually make things grow around us. And they've actually been pretty smart about a good chunk of their real estate choices. Um, so that should tell you. Um, but anyways, yeah, I saw my friend there. I don't want to name who it is, but she's cool. And we should talk this very day. She's somebody I met. I think I met her pretty early on when I started going to high school out there in Panaka. So she's somebody else I've known for 25, what, yeah, 25 years. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't, I, can't, I, I can't sit here and believe that 
a lot of the people I started to go to school with my first year out are twenty. It's been twenty five freaking years. Oh my god! Like I am I really that old? Am I really forty? Come on now. So, anyways, um, went down there, and I'm thinking I'm only been down there a week or so. We're going back to Barry. But my landlord's decided, no, I gotta stay down here a little longer and do a few more things. Would you mind staying here a little longer? I'm like, well, I don't have a lot of clothes down here, but I mean, I'll, you know, as long as I can do them, well, not, I don't, I really don't care. Um, I, as long, as long as I have food to eat, clothes on my back, place you know, the rest of my head, whatever, I'm pretty much okay. So we did that. She had a, where I live now is where I've been for the last seven and a half years. Um, a week turned into two weeks, turned into a month, which turned into, well, how would you feel about moving down here? My son's looking for another roommate, and we've got things going on. I'm like, okay. Uh, and I, did, I, I had to think about it for a minute, but no offense to Perry. Perry's a good town. But it's a small town, and there's not a whole lot out there. And unless you're working somewhere there, I think they have a big paper mill, which just had layoffs recently. Um, the nursing home is a big employer there. Uh, they have a local hospital that draws people. They they have like Walmart. They have a number of you know other stores. Some of them smaller, some of them medium size. Um, so. They're pretty much the bulk of employers. Um, they actually do have a prison in Taylor County as well. It's a little bit off the beaten path there in Perry, but I've been by there before only because um, back when I lived in Perry, I was active with the Mormon Church for like a year and a half, the year and a half I lived there. And it, and this is where I'm going to talk about this briefly. If you're a Mormon... You you will know how this goes a little bit, but for those of you who are not familiar, um, if you go to a Mormon church, uh, um, by the way, a temple is not something where the average average person off the street can go into. They're beautiful buildings; they spend a lot of money, but the only time that peon person, UI anybody can go in there and take a look is before it's dedicated, when they have an open house. Once it's done, dedicated, it's closed to anybody except members with a temple recommend. There's a long story about how to get one of those. I will get into that maybe another time. But that's explaining that very briefly. But a Mormon meeting house is what they have. Usually most of them are in local communities are what they call wards. Your ward is your local church you go to. A ward... Two, three, four hundred families, something like I don't know how many families are in one per but a local ward is you know, it's, it's gotta have four or five hundred people, something like that. Maybe like three hundred people. Once it gets past a certain point, they might have to split it and to make it more manageable. Um, case in point, where I went to high school in Panaka. Panaka is not a very big town by any means. It's like seven, eight hundred people, give or take. Um, where I lived in Caliente was the biggest town, biggest town or city in all of Lincoln County, Nevada. And we only had 
about a thousand people, somewhere between a thousand and eleven hundred. So not a very big town by any means. But Caliente had one ward, Pioch, which is ten miles north of Penaca, the county seat, had one ward. Pioch had like another eight hundred people or so every day. Heiko, which is about probably almost an hour south of me. Smaller town had one ward. Alamo, which is an hour south of me. One ward. Panaka, though, was a town that had two wards. They only had about 700 people in town, but they have two wards because a good majority of the town is involved with the church. Not everybody has put enough of them and it's a, a very high majority of Panaka residents are members of the church in some capacity. So they have two wards because of that. They also have the local stake center is actually attached to it. What's a stake? Well, a stake is basically a group, a, a grouping of local wards. I don't know how many it is, depending. Um, when I lived in Panaka. Uh, excuse me, when I lived in Caliente, it was, we had Alamo, Heiko, Caliente, Paneca first, Paneca second, and Pioch all in our stake. Um, in the early 90s, I think it was actually, they were actually part of the Enterprise Utah stake, so we were part of a larger plant, and they ultimately just broke us off. You know, but like I said, that's how a local plant, um, but that's usually how you do it. But if you're if you have a smaller than normal congregation locally, which does happen in all these communities, they'll have what they call a branch. Now the leader of your ward there is called a bishop. All right. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like Catholics are like, oh, we have a bishop. No, bishop is just like the the local authority of the church. He's one of the guys, he basically acts as the head of the local, you know, local ward or whatever. And he has two counselors with him to help him offset anything. He's got many responsibilities as a bishop. That's why he's got the counselors. Why he probably has his secretary in many cases as well. You know, everything's got to stay somewhat orderly. A branch, you know, there in Perry, though, that's a branch because we didn't have a lot of local Mormons because Perry is a very conservative town, but it's a lot of Baptists there and a lot of other denominations that go along the lines are very conservative. And the Mormon faith, some of them think it's a little outside of what it is. Um, and But the local congregation, probably somewhere... 30 or so people would go to a local branch there. And they, it was a branch there. It's not like a full ward, but it's still, basically it's still the same local authority as a ward. But the leader of that is not called a bishop. It's called a branch president. But he still has two counselors, has secretary as he needs, whatever. Um, the only reason, I apologize, I'm rambling here, but the reason I do that because the head of local church his name was Jack. That's his real first name. Jack and I went 
to go to a member's house that hadn't been in the warden while. And the reason he hadn't been to our to the to the meetings there at the local branch was because he had a form of cancer and it was just it was raving raging hell on his body. And he was actually we sat he sat there, he's like, Would you mind going with me? We'll bus sacrament and give it to him. Sure, why not? Instead of me going to I want to say it was Sunday school he got me out of. I can't remember for sure, but I think that's what it was. But he wanted, he needed someone to ride with him, and he asked me. So I'm like, no, I don't do it. I'll, I'll fine, I'll go with it. And if you ever go, you ever go to a Mormon sacrament meeting, it's pretty well, you know, structured. But it, it's pretty commonplace for the how they do things. But I'm not going to get into all that now. But we passed the prison, right? before we would turn off the side to his house. So that's how I know there's a prison there in Taylor County. I also know there's a prison there because in, um, was it January of 13, I took a bus from Perry to Sarasota so I could go back down there and see my old job there and uh, hover around. By that time, they'd already moved headquarters, moved most of their headquarters, their call center and everything, and moved from Bradenton to Sarasota. Their warehouse operations are still in, you know, Bradenton, although they have a Sarasota address. All right, so, and, but anyways, one of the reasons I know that, because there was me and one other guy that had to get on the bus there and bury that other guy, actually had just been discharged from the local prison, and they gave him a bus ticket and said, all right, here you go. Bye. So that's how I met. You know, that's how I know there's a person. Um, so anyways, yeah, I apologize for the name in here. Um, so I'm sitting there thinking and thinking. And I, when I came down here to Orlando, I have a whole bunch of time on my hands. And I haven't had a job in coming up on nine years. So I'm not able to work. I'm on, living on disability. And just sitting there, I have all this time, and I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? And living out here in the middle of nowhere here in Orlando, you're kind of, I, I'm going to tell you, too, where I live. When I first moved here in 13, there wasn't a whole lot out this way. It, you've seen so many things spring up, especially the last two years. And this is going to be a further growing part of town. I hope it stays pretty quiet, but we'll see what happens. Where I live at is actually on a golf course. Yeah, I live on a golf course. <laughs> um, but I live in a trailer park on a golf course. So it's not anything what you consider to be like real high-end golf course by any means. The course is actually open to public. You just have to call them up for reservations, tell them how many, whatnot, and there's... There are different fees for different times. It'll, I think it goes up to like 25 or 30 bucks a head. So it's not very expensive to play around here at all, from what I understand. And that should tell you, I don't play golf. Um, you know, I played one time when I lived in Vegas, Pekin knows you would hurt my back so bad. I'm like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. I was in back pain for like three days after that. So anyways, you know, I'm sitting there on the golf course and there at the time they had a there's 
There's a pro shop in the golf course here, a block down from my house. Literally, like his pro shop, right behind it is what they call the master's pool. There's a pool, there's one of three community pools are there. On another side, you know, directly to the left of said clubhouse is eight, is tennis courts. Behind the tennis courts is, I think it was bocce ball courts and the mailboxes. Because they want to centrally locate mailboxes for the entire park and they picked that one. Because it's probably right, pretty close to the middle of the park. Alright. So anyways, I've been here seven and a half years because of that. But when I first moved here, there wasn't a whole lot outside of here. I mean, there, Winn-Dixie was like a block from the park entrance, things like that. Well, of course, back then I had a lot of walking issues. I had a lot of problems with trying to breathe. I could walk 500 feet from my house and feel burning in my legs. It turned out I had blocked arteries that were not diagnosed properly until I had a... I had a heart catheterization in 2014, and then they determined I had three barked arteries. One that set me up, had me set up the day before my 34th birthday. I'm set on the table to get them, and the cardiologist decides the last bit. No, I'm not going to do them. We're going to have to see you again. And I think maybe some of that was him trying to find the right person who would sign off on it being open heart surgery because he wanted to do open heart surgery. 34 years old, Tom, and I'm freaking the hell out because I know the, that was a pretty invasive procedure and very scary and probably pretty painful. And I don't do well with big levels of pain. All right, so that should tell you right there. Um, but anyways, I had a lot of difficulty. I mean, I still got around some. At the time when I moved here, I had a roommate. I had two roommates. The one I have now which is the son of my landlord, instead of the guy, um, this guy, is, his name is Brett. And that's all, you know, that's his money details all I'm going to give you about him. Um, but occasionally, if I need to get out, I'm like, would you mind dropping me off on your way to work or whatever? Sure, you know, if it's learning all the way, I don't mind doing that. You know, just give me enough notice and, you know, let me know what you want to do and I'll try to figure it out. He's like, if you want to come back, um, come back this way. I'll be in my work ends at such and such time. If you want to come back, be waiting around this area, be somewhere where I can find you. Um, otherwise, you're on your own to get home. So it wasn't perfect, but it was cool to do that. But um, he took me out to Denny's for my birthday that year, and of course. Really, what is he didn't really take me out. It's I got free free breakfast. He just gave me a ride there, so I'm like, yeah, it's you know, no big deal. So, anyways, um, sitting here right around my birthday time, and I'm like, what the heck am I gonna do? And I want to say the NFL schedule hadn't come out yet, but I can't remember for sure. But I'm thinking more and more now that my being a Chiefs fan really hung on my. And I really wanted to go. And I started to look. And I didn't, th I wish I had thought more about this at the time. In 2013, they came to Jacksonville as well for a game. 
Jacksonville is only like a two and a half hour ride from my house. At the time, um, they do they run Megabus from here in Orlando to Jacksonville. Now the Megabus station in Orlando now is twelve miles or so away from my house. It's I've got to take a new over there because it's it's not hop, skip, and jump. The old Megabus station that they had for a few years was actually right. If you're where I live here on East Colonial, it's where East Colonial meets Highway 436, which is they call it Cimarron Avenue. I don't call it Cimarron because when I when you talk about Cimarron, I think of Vegas because I think of old Cimarron Memorial High School and different spelling, slightly different pronunciation. But people down here don't pronounce things quite the same in some instances that you'll see but I was looking at the schedule and I really thought and I looked at October 13th I think it was week 6 versus the then Oakland Raiders yeah I'm not a Raider fan I've made it very clear in my last episode it's a big rivalry and I thought about it more and more and I probably it probably laid on my heart for a good week before I finally decided um, I'm gonna pull the trigger on this. I'm talking to my friend. I'm like, you know, I, I was trying to get some feeling of, you know, if I'm thinking about coming out here. Oh, gee, I think like, well, come on out, come, come more, you know, stay with us, whatever. All right, fine, cool. Um, so, you know, we had a couple of conversations. She's like, you know, I was just told, you know, hey, if you're really gonna do this, let us know. So things can get on board here. So it's probably either late June or early July. I can't remember the dates on everything. As good as my memory is on some things, they don't remember everything. And certain things don't. Certain dates will stand out in my head. Certain memories specifically burn into my memory. Not everything does. So I'm going to apologize if I screw things up. But I have one of these weird memories, by the way, which is why sometimes I'll get in some detail with some of my stories and why some of them seem to have so great details of remembering certain things. I have a weird memory. I might have some form of OCD. I've never been diagnosed with it. But there are things that I think it's it's kind of like if you... Like, if you ever, like, I took Spanish class back in high school. Back in eighth and ninth grade, I took Spanish. And one of the easiest ways to remember things is what they call a mnemonic device. I think it's what it's called. Basically, you associate a word with an object in your head. But I was doing that a little advanced to dates and places and experiences. And it's all bonding in my head. That's basically what I'm able to do in many instances. Not all of them, but the major ones, to me anyway. That's why I can recall details about days of when I had my strokes, when I had my heart attack, when you know, when I'm dealing with stuff, when I've been in the hospitals. Things like that I remember. But not everything. I don't remember every detail, but a lot of the major ones will stick in my head. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's all. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break. 
I'll be back in a minute. I gotta take a commercial break. Plus, I've gotta get a drink. When I come back, we'll wrap this up. Okay, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. I do apologize for that, but I was starting to get in like 51 minutes or so of recording time, and they only limit you to an hour long segments. And I apologize that these shows run a little long sometimes, but. Listen, once you get my mind going, it goes. And also, I just stopped for a minute because I had to get something to drink because I was starting to get cotton mouth. So I got a drink of almond milk. Yeah, I had me some vanilla-flavored almond milk. It was something I bought on Special Publix last week. Bottles that were like, it was like two for five for half-gallon cartons. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not a big fan of getting a lot of these organic products. A lot of them contain soy, and soy is one of the products that, if you're a guy, it's bad for you. You don't want to take that, because it can create a lot of fertility issues and create some other health issues. It's not good if you're a guy. So that's really as much I'm gonna complain about that. You don't believe me? Do your research on that, folks. So anyways, I bought my ticket on Ticketmaster in July, early July of 2013, and this is before they started to go to the current model they have now, where it's everything. Everything now is strictly mobile ticketing. As of last year, they went to a strictly mobile model, meaning they can check on your phone. You gotta have your phone with the barcode, and they can use that to scan it. It makes sense to have your phone be your ticket, but at the same time. It still could be subject to being, you know, if you don't have the Teams app, you're screwed. Um, I, I, one of my cheese games, I bought a ticket off of somebody off of StubHub. It's for the Chiefs Falcons game I went to in 17. And I bought the ticket literally the night before the game. I had to go to the library and print out the ticket. And the printout actually gave a barcode and had to show that when I walked in. Once I get, was in, you're in. You're in Lost Flynn. But back then, you still had to have, if you didn't have that printout, you probably had to have a paper ticket of some kind. And I can tell you right, right up front, I don't own a printer, and me printing stuff out, things get lost pretty easy. I forget things, and... I just, you know, I didn't want to lose track of it, especially with the game being, what, three months away. Now, you can still lose that with the tickets, too, but I'm like, at least there, you're going to know where it is. It's in an envelope, Ticketmaster envelope. You should be able to see where it is, know where it is, and be like, hey, this is where I can go. So, this thing comes in the mail about ten days later, and this is... And this is one of the things, too. If you ever get something from Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster has a very small number of warehouses. I mean, like, two or three left. Years ago, one of the places they used to print tickets from was actually from uh, Virginia Beach. And for a brief period there, my company that I used to work for there, Americom, actually had a contract to do pre-store mail for them, but eventually they, they closed down 
their Virginia Beach facilities. And some of that is because of tax reasons. Some of that's because they just want to save money. But they also want to consolidate printing operations. But I will also tell you this. Ticketmaster fucking sucks. Sorry, but I'm going to leave that customer in there. They suck. Um, if you ever use them, they overcharge. And for what? I remember, um, I think it was about three or four years ago, Florida State was actually working on their their field up there in Tallahassee. And they had to close down their field, Doe Campbell. They had to close it for the spring. But the spring football game for a lot of these big schools, it's a moneymaker for them. Even though it's not a full speed thing and something where you just kind of go... You, you want to go full speed of people, but not hurt people. So that's why you kind of have those games. Um, that year, they moved the spring game to Camping World Stadium down in Orlando. Yeah, the you know, the search ball I was just telling you about in the last segment. Yeah, they used that one. They're, here's the thing. The spring game, if you go to the spring game, usually... You know, I will tell you, I live 15 minutes from UCF's campus. UCF does not charge, has not charged, as far as I know, well, no, one year they did charge five yards, but that's also because they had a country concert before the game, which I'm not a country music fan ever. It's not country, it's clitry, because you can't say that four-letter word, you know that, um, like my favorite song from, uh, I, <laughs> um, I, by the way, you know, the band Tool, Tool's lead singer is a guy named Maynard James Keenan. Maynard is a freaking genius, but he's also one of those guys that sings from more than one band. Um, in around 2000, or I think he started a band called A Perfect Circle. A Perfect Circle did a couple albums. They they're kind of one of these weird <coughs> one of these weird bands where they do some weird sounds. I think at one point they had some little orchestra thing there. They had a girl named Paz Lachan who would play violin on some of the songs there, and you're like, yeah, I'm not sure that's gonna mesh too well with that music. Um, so there's that. Um, but anyways. He did that band, but he has a third band, and this is kind of more of a spoof band at times, but it's called Pussifer. It's not Lucifer, it's Pussifer. It's P-U-S-C-I-F-E-R. It's basically, it's kind of a play on words for Lucifer, but it's like a pussycat or whatever. But, you know, it's like that. But they actually have a song called C-U-N-T-R-Y Boner. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm not going to play cuts of the song. It's very vulgar. It's, you know, it says the F word quite a bit in that song. And it's like, it won't go down. It won't go down. <laughs> yeah, it's my country boner. It won't go down. Yeah, the name of the song is that boner. So that should tell you right there. I That's... About the only country song that I can really give a lot of credit. Uh, now, I'm, I'm going to be fibbing on myself a little bit. There are 
of a few country artists and country songs that I like, but they're few and far between. And it's not it's not a form of music I typically seek out. Um, even less than I do rap. And yes, I'm I used to like rap back in the nineties, don't much anymore. A lot of it just sounds one and the same to me. Um, literally the way with the way that the music business is now you'll find one hot trend something that'll work and then everybody and their mom will copy it and they'll just kill it and one song and one trend will be pretty good for about a year or two and then bet no no now it's not even that now it's like three or four months and bam it's gone you know you you just you know if it if you get a trend that lasts more than six months You've lasted a while in the music business today. wasn't always that way, but it is now. Because a lot of it is just you find things and people copy the hell out of it. Um, and it's not just rap; it's R and B. There's even some rock that does that too. Yes, I will admit that. Um, you know, but this also went back to a way back in. You know, remember in the seventies, there's all this, you know, all these bands that were trying to do all this word rock, and then you had the eighties hair bands, and everybody and their mom was doing hair band music, and it was you would do a power belt, and you do these up tempo rock theme, and it's, but they all kind of looked the same. They looked like basically somebody who had like way too long hair and these skinny jean leather pants. And like a weird sleeveless or half sleeve shirt, you know, sometimes kind of look at borderline, like maybe like it might be androgynous, meaning it looks like you might be trying to edge more for the uh, female stint of what it. And it's one of the things you were back in the 80s, especially. It's like if you look more like a female dog, if you look more like female, for some reason. Uh, and I apologize, I'm going to cuss here again for a minute, so if you have kids, hold their ears. But basically, the guy who sat there, and you can blame Charlie Murphy for this. Charlie Murphy was said this in his True Hollywood Stories in 2003 on the Chappelle Show. Uh, no, it's no four he said it, but he's like, yeah, you, you get to this point where you... You know, back in the 80s, it was where you go in the clubs and the guy who was looking most like a bitch was the one getting all the pussy. <laughs> you know, meaning girls really went off for that thing for a while. Kind of stupid, but it was true. And there were 80 years band, but the problem is everybody and their mom was doing 80s hair band rock. And then the early 90s coming out, and like, eh, we need something else. And then Nirvana came around and changed everything. Changed it. And then for a couple of years, it was that grunge rock, but everybody's kind of copying that. And by, I would say, 95, 96 people are already like, okay, this is depressing. Can we get something better, please? And I love Metallica, um, but Load and Reload didn't do quite the same numbers as, say, the Black Album or even, you know, Ride the Lightning. But they still did pretty good numbers. It was enough where people 
And people were like, oh, Metallica's back. Oh, my God. And the fact that they went on tour and they are like, oh, they're going to play some of this old stuff, some, Zoom, some new stuff. You're like, oh, you know, at least I have something to get psyched for. Not quite the same level, but it was still pretty good. They even did S&M in 2000. It was wrong. But anyways, like I said, you know, the 80s, that's what it is. Uh, so anyways, I'm getting way off topic here. And I do apologize for that. I do tend to be like, I think one of my friends is like, oh, look, a squirrel. <laughs> Something like that. Like the ADD. I go off on changes like that. And I kind of have to refocus a little bit. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm not a big country guy. But anyways, when there's, yeah, spring football game that year in 2017 was like five bucks for a ticket. But with... The service fee from Ticketmaster was like eleven fifty, something like that. You're charging more for a service fee than you are for the ticket price itself, and for what? You're still telling them, "Hey, download the thing on your phone, and so we can scan it." You're not giving them a paper ticket. You're not holding things at will call. So, well, what's the point? You're not doing anything. Other than saying, oh, this is going to be saving on our website. How can you justify charging six or seven bucks for a single ticket for this? Come on now. So, yeah, I've always had problems with Ticketmaster with that. All right. But anyways, yeah, I had my ticket and it came in the mail probably about 10 days later. And I, I took a picture of it, posted it on Instagram back in the day. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is really happening. I'm really going to do this. I'm really going to do this. Oh, my God. And then I was getting a little more psyched. And then football season started in September. And I didn't think, oh, week one's in Jacksonville. Oh, my God, I could have gone to Jacksonville. Um, now, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been – I went to Tia Bank Field last year, which is what they call um, – I think it's the Gator Bowl. It's the stadium there in Jacksonville where – they Florida Georgia play there every year in the rivalry game. They used to call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's not called that anymore. I think they had complaints and actually had to drop that nickname. But people still refer to it as that. Some old school people do. But anyways, um felt kinda of bad I wasn't at that game, but I was like, no, I'm they still and I mean they had them pretty soundly, but mind you, it's Jacksonville, so Back then, you're like, oh, it's one game, cool. Two games, they're two and all. And then by the third game, you're like, they've won three and all. They have already surpassed last year's win total. Could this be a surprising run here? Or, you know, and they still roll a couple more off. Then I flew out to Kansas City. I flew out on a Wednesday from here in Orlando. And I was a little nervous about flying because with all my health issues, um, I was concerned about, is this going to affect me being able to fly? Because there are things, certain medications do not react well, certain medical conditions do not react well if you put a lot of stress on your body. Um, also, you got to understand, if you fly... A plane in and of itself it does not have a lot of oxygen in it, and the going up and down, you're you're gonna see a lot of 
loss of that oxygen in the cabin there. They, they're, that's why all the air cabins and flights are pressurized. They always filter oxygen in, and it's being, you know, they, they bring some in, and it's constantly being filtered. All right. So I did a little bit of research, too, before I flew on Lincoln. I'm not going to be safe with this. So I flew southwest and got a direct flight from here to Kansas City and showed up there 4.35 o'clock at night, something like that. It was still, it was starting to get a little hazy, but it was, you know, still daylight out. So my friend came to me up and basically I was in Kansas City for the next like three and a half days before the game. I stayed at my friend's house and this also part of what I had to take out of the last show is talking about the whole trip regarding there, including, you know, a couple of restaurants and other places we went to. Um, listen, I don't want to dwell too much on that. The, the real reason I was there for it was see cheese game. And the night before, I remember sleeping on the bed there. I could not sleep. I would felt like a kid waiting on Christmas morning, trying to, trying to sleep Christmas Eve. You're like, oh my God, what did Santa get me? What did Santa get me? Yeah, Santa's not real, but, <laughs> you know, when you're a kid, you're not really caring about that. You're like, oh my God, what, what's, what presents do I got? Oh my God, you're a little nervous. You're like, did I get anything of what I wanted? That's how I felt waiting, sitting there trying to lay in bed for the sheets. You know, I think I slept maybe four hours, maybe. And that might be over essay meaning a little bit. But that should tell you how nervous and excited I was as a fan just to go to this game. And I'd always dreamed of going to Arrowhead. Now, if you ever go to Kansas City, they have an Arrowhead tour. Especially during the season, they have like midweek tours up until Saturday. And then they have a game day tour itself. If you show up there a few hours before the game, you could show up there. And they actually do have a live tour including where you can see the broadcast area where they do the game and might be able to meet somebody in the radio crew, but there's no guarantees with it. Um, I felt bad I couldn't do that that trip. This is also about a year or so before Uber launched. So it wasn't we didn't really have those great options available back then. If we did, Oh, my God, you better believe I would have been like, you know, told my friends, hey, I appreciate you guys letting me see here. That's cool. I'll get my ride there and back. Just you chill. And I've already gone there. Now, my ticket there was about 100 bucks for the game ticket itself. It was a lower deck ticket. I think I paid 160 But I also paid for the, they had a pregame tailgate party, which I ultimately couldn't make. And I felt bad about that. But at the same time, I didn't have a vehicle of my own. And I was seeing a friend's house. I couldn't expect him. I couldn't expect that friend to run me there, not get on sleep and having to wake up, run me there, run me back, and a few hours later having to come back, and still knowing how crazy traffic is around Arrowhead Stadium. All right, so it's not really... I'm going to tell you this. I've been by, I've been by Arrowhead three times. One of them being for the game itself. 
Arrowhead Stadium is part of the Truman Sports Complex. It's, there's a complex there right off of I-70. It's basically just east of I-35, but it's literally there's a turnoff on I-70. You show up there, and, of course, heading up to this game, probably two, three miles before we actually got in and the traffic was already backed up. And there's a lot of traffic warnings on our radio anyway. They tell you, hey, this is, you know, we're backing up here to this point. And I was listening to the radio on my phone while I'm showing up there. Um, so I was a little nervous. Um, by the way, how did I get to stadium? A friend of mine ran me, um, ran me to a parking ride where, all right, here's the thing. At least, you know, I don't know if this has changed a little bit since then. This is back in 2013, mind you, so take this for what it was back then. All right. But the team would run a number of shuttles from satellite lots instead of having to flood everybody's car in the parking lot. You pay, I think, pre, in, until the day before, they would sell these tickets like 17, 18 bucks. You'd buy a seat guaranteed for you on this bus. Well, I didn't buy something in advance, but I bought a game day ticket. The parking lot literally was like right across the street from Bank of America, who I had my account from. I've been a customer there since 2011. Um, you know, I, I'm not apologizing for that's just who I am. But, you know, they're like, oh, we don't have, like, I'll, you know, I told them, I'm like, hey, I'm not hard, but, you know, they're like, oh, no, we got to take cash only for a walk up. We'll take, we'll take your cash, but I'm like, I'm like, well, um, I don't have any cash on me yet. Like, but I saw a big America, I'm like, would you mind if I walked over there, get some cash, and walk on back? I'll give you guys cash. We've got about 20 minutes to go, but, yeah, if you hurry, you'll do it. We're not going to leave, you know, as long as you don't waste so much time, we'll take you. All right, fine. So I literally, and mind you, I can't run, I but I walked as fast as I could to the Bank of America, which is right across the street. Wasn't a lot of traffic there at that time of morning. It was like, it was like nine thirty ish, closer to ten central time. This is about almost ten thirty, somewhere between ten thirty eleven my time. Because I live in Eastern time. All right. So I went up there, went to ATM, pulled out a hundred bucks, gave them twenty to ride the bus. This guaranteed me a seat on. It was as like a fairly new school bus, but basically what it was, they ran the shuttle buses to the stadium. And I think it was seven routes they ran, I believe. But they would drop you off, and that's fine. But they tell you, okay, we'd be here so many minutes. I think, it was, I think they told you half an hour after the game. You've got to be here so you can load up the bus and we can go home. Now, because of traffic and everything, and the fact that our bus driver's kind of sitting on his you-know-what, it was about an hour after the game before we left. But I didn't really care so much because it was a good day. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we we took this bus up there, heading up the one freeway, getting up, I think it was, 
he's got us on 935, I think. We get the we get at the junction, get the we're trying to merge on I-70, and literally as soon as we get on there, there's like a two-mile backup or so. And it's all you can tell it's all people going to Arrowhead for the Chiefs game. Because this Sunday morning, there's no other reason to have traffic out. People who want to go to the Chiefs game. There's a hotel when you come off the freeway. Just west of the freeway, there's a little hotel. I think it was Drury Inn, D-R-U-R-Y, Drury. I could be wrong on the pronunciation. Um, I wish I'd known that and maybe wish I could have stayed there, but I've seen some of the prices of some hotels within, say, a mile of seeing them. I'm like, yeah, probably did okay the way I did it. Um, but this bus... Pulled out. It took us a while, but once they pulled us over by the stadium, well, where they parked us at was literally, it's kind of a weird roundabout lot. Basically, they go around both stadiums, around the several parking lots that they have going all around Arrowhead. But where they parked the buses at, there's a lane just to the south of Kauffman Stadium. Kauffman Stadium is where the Kansas City Royals baseball team plays. So literally I get off the bus and there's Hoffman seeing him. I'm like, oh my God. That's cool. Just being there was cool. And the Royals were in a big playoff hunt that year. They didn't make the playoffs that year, but they were pushing for it. This team that two years later won the World Series. You know, it's one of those things where they put all their chips on the table, made one big run, yeah, now they're done. Um, ever since then, they've kind of had to start from scratch. Some of their big stars had to go away. They're like, you know, we can't afford to keep you. They're chasing out their money. I understand. It's it's a business. All right. But you cross the street there, and I had to be careful against traffic, but they saw we were a pedestrian. There's several of us crossing out once, and there's a nice big parking lot. It's leading right up to the entrance there. And I'm sitting there, and I'm standing in awe for a minute and took a picture, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm really here. I'm really here. And I I was trying to fight tears in, and I'm like, no, we're going to hold it just yet. we got to get through this mess. This is about two hours before. This is probably a little more than 90 minutes before the start of the game. So we're a little later than what they said we'd be there then, but it's still was still pretty good time. Now they, I don't think they had this policy in place then, but they have this policy now. If you go into any NFL, I think most colleges will do this too. They have what they call a clear back policy. If you go in, you can walk in if you have with a clear back if. You have it, but it has to be a certain size. It has to be clear so they can see what's in it. You can't obviously you can't bring in any professional photography equipment. No video cameras. No flash photography. Now, of course, everybody in the mom has a cell phone with a camera now, so you're like, oh, you've got that. But listen, cell phone cameras from a distance are not quite the same. So we have that. But also, they don't want you to bring in coolers, bring in outside food or drink. Because, let's be honest here. You ever go to a football stadium? 
um, or any sports arena, you figure that's their biggest money maker once you're in the stadium is you're going to buy food and drink. All right. So I, they had somebody, they had an express line. Oh, you don't have a bag. If you got your stuff ready to go, you go through it. Now, I had to empty my pockets because I had my wallet, my cell phone, my cell phone charger, which is a pain in the butt to carry at the time, but I had that. I think that might have been all I had. I didn't have a lot of stuff with me. I was sitting there literally in my Chiefs jersey and my Chiefs shirt that I bought at the Walmart there while I was out there the, the, day, I, the day after I arrived in Kansas City. My, one of my friends took me to Walmart. And I bought a Chiefs shirt, a Chiefs hat, and a pair of Chiefs boxers. All of which I still have, by the way. If you ever see me in my yellow Chiefs shirt with the red writing on it, that's from there. And that's from that specific Walmart. I that, those pair of boxers, I have one side where you can tell it's starting to come off of the band there where it is but it's not in a point where it's real it's not large or exposed right now so i'm like just leave it where it is plus the fact that it's a 20 dollar pair of boxes yeah 20 dollars. it's i've never paid that much for a pair of boxes before or since but it would see it's in it's good quality stuff and i'm like yeah i've gotta do this so i had that I'm wearing all this underneath, all under my pair of shorts. I'm not pants. I'm wearing my pair of my jean shorts, my denim shorts. Some people call them jorts. <laughs> Sorry, they, I, that name just sounds a little retarded to me. That's just me. But anyways, sign through my pockets, walk up there. They run, you know, their metal detector gun. You know, somebody has a wand. See if I have anything in my pockets and nothing. And I'm like, oh, you're good to go. So I walk in there, walk in the stadium, and literally there are two things they handed me. One, they handed me a program when you come in with the game day inactives and the state the rosters as they are that day. The other is they gave me a pair of ear earplugs, and there's a reason for this. All right, Kansas City has always had the you know, pretty much the Texas nation of being the largest, the loudest, not only, maybe not the largest, but being the loudest stadium in the world for any sport. All right. I'm sorry, soccer fans. We've got you beat. <laughs> um, Missouri, you know, Midwest fans are very passionate. Not about a lot, but that's one thing they are about. And... You know, I, like I told you that game in 90 when I saw them, you know, about get penalized for being too loud for Elway. I'm like, yeah, that's a big deal. But here's the thing. Seattle in 2012 and 2013 is like, oh, we're a loud stadium. We're a lot of new guys. We can do all this. And they actually had some money from the Guinness Book of World Records going in there. And I believe it's called Century Link Field. If you've ever been to Century Link Field, basically... It looks like a giant, like a compass or what you, I, I hate to say it, but it looks like a kind of a screwed up vagina. Um, it, it really kind of, it's kind of like a half compass. It's, it's, it's half enclosed, but half not. You, there's some of the roof that's open, but it's still, it's like a cave. And the, that traps sound in there. So that, 
So they're artificially loud because of that. Plus, it's suspected by some they pipe in some sound too. I don't know if they do, but listen, the design of that stadium alone should tell you, should make it, it's supposed to make it intimidating for visiting players. And it does. But it's not an authentic advantage. It's one of these word advantages. Um, Kansas City, on the other hand, if you ever been to Arrowhead Stadium, it's one giant football stadium. I think it's 67,000. It's probably close to 70,000 people could sit in that. But it's a wide open stadium. It's open to the elements. So you've got to be prepared. You've got to watch the weather report too because if it's going to get cold or rainy or snowy or whatever, you've got to be prepared to deal with it. And I did look at to this until the morning of the game too because I was nervous because of this. Me sitting here from Florida in my Chiefs Chiefs jersey, Chiefs shirt underneath, my denim shorts and Chiefs boxers underneath, and I'm in my hat and my sunglasses, and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Then right after that, right before I walked, there's this walkway, um, someone who's selling beers. Selling cans of beer, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get one. Nine dollars for a tall boy can of Budweiser. Yeah. Never again. That was my one beer I bought in the stadium, so they they could say hey, they made a little bit of money off of me, but it's a ripoff. All right. So after I do this, I'm walking a little bit, and a little bit of walkways are there's. Kind of like, there's like three or four of these. I think there are four of these around the stadium, one in each corner. It's kind of like a roundabout walkway here. But basically, it's like a rotunda, kind of weird swirly tunnel. And they, you basically, you take that up to the concourse level where you sit. Because Arrowhead Stadium is a three-tiered stadium. And my seat was actually on the bottom tier. It was on the first tier. Um, so I had to walk up just to get to the first year concourse. And I'm walking down in there. I, by the way, I took a picture before I made the walk up there. And then I took a picture. When you come in there, you would see, you know, when I was coming off of this walkway onto the concourse, there's a thing for Chiefs Hall, Chiefs Ring of Honor. And by the way, if you ever go to an, most NFL teams will do this where they have a Ring of Honor They'll induct players, well, usually one of your, somebody who's shown greatness for the organization. The Chiefs have the second most players in their ring of honor, second only to the Packers, who've probably got over 100. Packers is a little different. It's another team, but plus they're also publicly funded. They have different ways they do it. The way they do it in Chiefs, um, since like 73, I think, since the... I think about the times they open Arrowhead, they do this. They've done this year every year except 1983. But they will induct a player in there. And there are certain qualifications. Basically, you have to have played for the Chiefs for a number of years. And there's no set number, but usually you're expected you could have spent a few years here with Chiefs. You have to be retired at least four years from the game. You have to be a contributor of some kind. Now, this has only been waived... I think for two players. All right. One is Joe Delaney. Joe Delaney 
in the eighties was a running back for the Chiefs who played one year, and then during that off season, I think it was I think his home was in Louisiana. He went down there in the lake one day and tried to rescue a couple kids from drowning. He was one of those guys who couldn't swim. He saved the kids, but couldn't save himself. Died died from drowning there. So he played one year for the Chiefs. Um, I can't remember. I don't know if they've actually retired his jersey, but he got inducted in the Ring of Honor for obvious reasons. He did something that meant more than football. It was something he saved somebody's life. The other one is the late, great Derek Thomas, the reason I really became his Chiefs fan. Not Christian Gway, which Christian Gway is a great guy. I actually met him once back in 2000. Back in 2000. I'll show you that story another time. But um, Okoye played, I mean, but Derek Thomas played there for almost a decade. And then in early 99, he got in a wreck. He he was driving his vehicle and wasn't wearing a seatbelt, rolled it, and got paralyzed. A little bit after that, he ended up passing away from those injuries. He had a blocked lot at burst, and bam, he's gone. And he had been away from the Chiefs for just over, I think, two years, maybe? Wasn't that long. They weighed the exception for him. And I took a picture of that, and, you know, it really struck me in the heart there for a minute. And I kind of had to pay my respects. And hey, I got a picture of it, and you'll see it there. And when he's walking up the concourse there, they have a souvenir table, as they do have several of these throughout the stadium, where they'll try to sell merchandise including like a Chiefs cheerleader calendar. No offense, I mean, I have nothing against cheerleaders and whatnot, but I'm like, I'm not here to see them. <laughs> um, I did buy a Chiefs dog tag with the necklace. It was supposed to be long enough to go around your neck. It wasn't. It barely, it, it was, it was kind of hard to try to fit the whole thing around my neck, around my head. So I was like, yeah. I'll just wait for later. I think I still have it somewhere in my storage. I'll have to look for it, but I still have this. Um, so I bought that. And then right before I went to my seat, I, was, I hadn't eaten anything since dinner the night before. And I'm starting to get a little hungry. This is probably the first barbecue I've had in Kansas City. There was, I can't remember who it was, but there was some barbecue joint that was running one of the many food stands out of out of concessions there on concourse, and I had a pulled pork sandwich. Some of my that was my first barbecue in Kansas City ever. Um, Kansas City has much better barbecue than that. It wasn't like top quality, but it was good. You know, for a stadium, it was pretty good food. All overpriced. I think I paid like nine bucks for the sandwich, and then I also. Order. I also had a soda with it, and sodas, even at like four and a half bucks, something like that, it's still a bit much. But I'm like, yeah, I'll just get something that I have something to drink. So, I finished my sandwich, and I'm like, this is about time. So I went to walk down to my seat, and I'm walking down to me. By the way, where my seat was, along one of the end zone corners, you follow. There's a stairwell. If you follow the stairwell, it can go right down to where the corner of the field is. So I, I can't remember what number it was. It's been so many years. I probably have to look it up. But literally, it was 
just outside of there is where I sat. So it was a quarter edge. wasn't the greatest view, but it was halfway up from the field to the wall, to the concourse area. And you're like, and just the fact that you're all over here, and you're like, oh my god. And I sat there and you know sat my stuff down on my seat, and I couldn't help. I was thank God I had my glasses there. I cried. I was looking there for a minute. If you ever seen the movie Rudy, all right, there's a scene towards the end of the movie Rudy when Rudy is basically told he's going to play for Notre Dame, play one game. His father is played by Ned Beatty. His father and his mother and his older brother Pete come into the stadium, in the Notre Dame stadium. And his wife's looking at him when he's kind of just staring and awing for a minute. And he's like, and him and the wife and apparently his older brother, you know, you know his older son show up there, and he's like, "This is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen." You take that feeling, and that's what I had when I was looking at Irwin, and I cried for a good solid minute, and I think one of the people actually looked at me and said, "Are you all right?" And that's when I laid the line on somebody. This is the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. And I, it's actually, I think, the line I put when I took a picture of the stadium. It's still on my phone. If you see my Facebook post on the page for facebook.com slash life, you can see it. And I, I mean, I, those were tears for legit for a minute. And there was a lady sitting two seats away from me. I'm like, would you mind taking pictures for me, ma'am? Sure. You want to stand over there? So I'm sitting outside the sun. You got my picture of me and my hat, sunglasses, my cheese shirt. Say, yay, yay. And that's a picture that, for a while, I actually used a profile picture. So that's how that picture came out. And just... Being there and starting to see the pregame facilities, we're starting that up. Seeing the video board and seeing some highlights, and then of course when they start to have the entrances, you're seeing the flames come up, and you're seeing you know all the hoopla and everybody's getting ready. And they're like, they announced the defensive starters. It was the defense starters they announced that game, and I'm like, oh my god. And then they come out there just before the game. This is one of the things. If you ever watch a Chiefs game in its entirety, you know, you'll see this. You go to most, most stadiums, you know, you have the National Anthem. Now, here in Orlando, they have a thing where they came through the night because the night's is UCF Sogo. You get people all throughout the stadium with chat, night. But I'm like, yeah, it doesn't quite feel the same. But people sitting there sing, you know, well, We'll sit there and you know salute the flag and national anthem and whatnot. Of course, this is before the whole kneeling shit and everything. So, you know, take it for what it is. This, mind you, this is thirteen. So, you know, take this for what it was back then. But the whole national anthem—I don't even remember who was singing it. And what—that's—it wasn't anybody special to, for me to remember. But we're sitting there, and the last line. 
or the land of the free and the home of the everybody in the re everybody in there on saying Chiefs. Oh my God! And then of course, literally right after that, they do a flyover by the local airbase. Oh my God! And that right there should give you goosebumps and get you pumped right there. That right there was awesome. To the point where I've been to a couple road games since that she's played it. Like the and you could tell. Like last year I was in Jacksonville, and it had to be at least a third of the people had seen them. Maybe more so. Were chasing. There was a lot of red there at Tia Bank Field, and of course we're all doing this, and. You you could still even then could still hear land of the free home of the Chiefs throughout TMA Field. It's Jaguars country, but you have to also understand it's Jacksonville. They don't initially travel a whole lot. They don't initially deal with a lot of local teams. They're not really. I mean, there have been a couple times where they've been really good, where they've kind of drawn, but it, it's also a very transient city in Jacksonville. Because it's a very military town. If you don't live there, you probably don't get it. You know, but like I said, I'm not really complaining. But, you know, that's that experience right there. That right there just gave me, you know, the the goosebumps and the feels and everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm here. I'm really here. This is time. And I'm like, come on. And I think the Chiefs actually kicked off to the Raiders short game. Just waiting to hear, start me up by the Rolling Stones right before the game. I'm like, oh my god! Oh, you know, I was sitting there and I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, when that happened, I'm like, oh my god, I'm really here. And I'm sitting there for a couple minutes. I'm still trying to fight tears, but I'm like, oh my god, I'm here, I'm here. And so, anyways, I'm sitting there, and that's really the feeling I had being at that game. Um. The game itself, I don't think it was all that important, although the Chiefs handled the Raiders pretty soundly in that game. Um, it was a pretty, I, it was a pretty lopsided game. I think I, I remember one point there was a third and forty-five, I think, and this to the point, and they did not, they didn't gain anything. So it was like fourth down, forty-five, and this is one of these things you've seen memes. That they still posted of this. This is ten years later, and you still see this thing for a Raiders game. And you're like third and fourth and forty-five. Only the Raiders. I was at that game. I'm like, oh my god, dude! Every time I see that, I'm like, I was at the game. That was awesome. Just seeing, you know, how the the fact that everybody thought, oh, they're really going to be great. No, but I th- I also think then they just. They didn't have the great quarterback. They just, it was just one of those times where it's like they didn't have the right personnel. But this is also still when Al Davis was still alive. And you can tell anytime he was a team um, since 1984, he done Jack. He, he did have one Super Bowl run, but lost that game. And ever since, turned into basically useless. All right. So, but anyways, yeah, that game was fun. That game, I mean, it gave me all the feels, made me cry. 
Um, I remember at halftime I went to get a margarita. That was the only other alcoholic drink I had at the game. And I wish I hadn't got it because I paid 11 bucks for this margarita that was like, it's, I swear to you, it had to be like three quarters tequila. Tequila is an ingredient of margarita, but if it if it's if you could taste if that if it's pretty much just tequila with a little bit of lime juice or whatever, which is kind of what it tastes like, I'm like, I'm like, this is cheap tequila, but I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, I didn't be all buy this. Come on now, it just it didn't taste right. So I maybe had a couple sips. You had a, I finished maybe a third of it. And I'm not going to, you know, please don't give me a lot of shit because, yes, I do drink occasionally, but I'm not a drunk. Um, I haven't been drunk since years, years Day 2006. That I can tell you. Now, I'm not saying I've never had drank since then because I have, but nothing real heavy. And But, yes, I do have beer in the house. But it's not one of these things where I'm like, I've more or less got a stockpile because I had a couple of little specials I took advantage of a while back and I just kind of wanted something to sip on when I really wanted one every once in a while. So, you know, I've, I've got a couple, I think I've got a couple of cases. But I'm not one of these people that has to have it very often. So that's my, really my only talk about alcohol for right now. But anyways, yeah, I'm sitting there, and of course, the game ends. I'm surprised how many people saved for the whole game. Not everybody in the stadium did, but a good chunk of people did. And just seeing, you know, and mind you, I've been to Tallahassee before. I realized that Florida State created the whole war chant of, hey, oh, hey, like that whole thing. Like, they even used the, mu the official music for the Florida State Seminole War Chant when they're trying to get people at Arrowhead to do the chop. And it's still, you know, a pretty... Um, but the Chiefs love it. All these people, by the way, who are saying, oh, it's racist to be Chiefs and use it. Are you freaking kidding me? That name was actually... The reason they picked the Chiefs when they moved to Kansas City was because of the mayor of Kansas City at that time. That was his nickname. That's why they picked it. And they go through great pains to make sure they include the tribes with it to get their input. To the point this year, and I'm sorry, you know, maybe they're giving it a little bit, but they're like, no no Indian headdresses at Arrowhead Stadium. Now this year, it's a little easier to enforce because you're only operating what, like 25% capacity, something like that. It's going to be a little harder to enforce when you have bigger crowds there. But it's still... I don't know how much of that is being a little too politically correct. But listen, also, I'm a white guy. I'm not Indian. I don't know if I'm really the right person to be asking about things like this. But the Chiefs itself is not a racist name. It's not making fun of anybody. Um... If we get enough pressure, I think people, you know, people might at some point be like, okay, maybe we need to re rethink it. But I don't see, at least right now, how they're doing this. Um, so that's what I'm going to say about that. Um, but, yeah, 
at the end of that game, it was crazy to walk in that rotunda back down to the ground level to Ekansas Stadium, hearing that entire rotunda all doing the war chat, walking down, everybody saying, hey, oh, hey, hey, walking all the way down. Oh, my God. And I saw somebody a couple years ago took video of that arrowhead, and I'm like, I wish I would have gotten that in 13. My phone just, the battery life sucked, so I couldn't tape it. Otherwise, I would have. And it was freaking awesome. And it gave you a lot of pride as a fan, but it also gave you a lot of some of this is where I belong. This is, it was cool to be here. I made the right decision. And to walk back to the same spot and catch a bus, come back. I had to wait. It was. It took the driver like 40 minutes, 45 minutes after the game before he even showed up to come to back to the bus before he could let us in. Because, by the way, our bus was parked there, but the driver wasn't there. Um, and traffic around seat him leaving and still kind of a headache too, but it's probably partly to their effect that they you know, let it clear out. Well, anyways, left there, ended up getting a ride back to the parking ride where I caught him there about 9, 9.30 in the morning, something like that. So, anyways, yeah, that was the main, you know, point of me going to Kansas City. I did a few other things there. Had what I would consider to be a good trip. I have no regrets about that. Um, I came back that Tuesday evening. I flew back here to Kansas City. Flew back from Kansas City to here in Orlando. Showed up probably about 9-ish. And called my roommate, who had run me to the airport that Wednesday morning, dropped me off. He's like, well, I'm over to the Knights of Columbus Hall over here. Over here off 436. Would you mind taking a bus out here and come meet me here? And we'll go from there. Oh, at first I was like, why aren't you here? But I'm like, no, I'll, I'll come out there. I'm like, let me see if I can get a bus out there. If I can, I will. And we'll just go from there. And there was a bu- there's like three buses that leave from the airport here in Orlando. And one is four. It's, it was called something else. And now it's called 436S. Because there's a South 436 that goes all the way to um, the edge of Altamont Springs. And then it, you have to change bus to 436 North. And that bus goes, leaves there from that same spot, goes all the way up to Popka and I think parts like there. Um, so anyway, I took that bus probably closer to 10 o'clock or so is when I showed up. The night for Columbus Hall with my suitcase coming back off there. He's like, oh, Did you enjoy your trip? Hell yeah, dude. And I'm trying to be cool because it's, he's at a cafe and whatnot. He's like, Well, do you, are you so hungry? I'm like, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I haven't eaten since lunchtime. I can't really eat much at the airport. <laughs> Definitely not on a flight. He's like, You want to go to Perkins? So we went to Perkins afterwards. So Perkins, by the way, is a chain restaurant. I first got introduced to them when I lived in Minnesota, and I'll share that story another time when I talk about my Minnesota experience. I did live there a year. I'll talk about that more. Um, so, yeah, anyways, that's my whole Kansas City trip. Had a lot of good times there. There are other things that I could talk about, but I figured, nah, 
we'll just let it be what it is. And I hope I haven't offended anybody. Um, so let me know what you think in the comments here. By the way, I'm going to have a voice. You know, Anchor does have a option now to have voice messages and voice comments. If you want to leave something like that, just go to anchor.fm slash slick minus live. It's the same website link for my podcast page, but there's an option there to check to leave a voice message if you want, or you can DM me or you know message one of my posts where I talk about the podcast here. Um, any feedback's appreciated. As long as there's nothing nasty, you know. Um, if you have a criticism, um, I can be open to some of it. I'll, I'll be honest with you there. I, as long as you're not like rude and obnoxious and things like that, I'm probably okay with it. So, um, you know, that's like I said, I apologize. I had to recut this, but that's where I'm going with this. I did a couple changes. We'll see where this goes. Um, I'm not sure if the next podcast is going to be about my top 10 movies or if it's going to be about my radio career. If y'all have any thoughts, let me know. I'm not sure what day I'm going to go record the next episode, but that's what I'm thinking. Um, Thanksgiving Thursday, so I don't know if I'm going to Castaways for dinner because they are making Thanksgiving dinner if you want to eat out. I might do that. Haven't decided yet, but we'll see what happens. So, um, by the way... Uh, um, it's two days early, but happy Slapsgiving, everybody. <laughs> and if you don't get the reference, you don't get me. It's a reference to an episode of How I Met Your Mother, where, you know, there's there's actually, he has a slap bet, and one of the slaps is going to be given at Thanksgiving dinner for everybody who shows up there, and they call it Happy Slapsgiving. That's where it comes from. So anyways, I, you know, I bid you adieu, I'll be the same, whatever, and we're going to cut this short for, I'm, well, not cutting it short, this is probably long enough anyway. So, this is going to close up episode 5 for now. Leave me comments or feedback if you have any. Please listen to the page, like us, tell, tell a friend if you want, if it sounds appealing, whatever. But until next time, this is Slick Rick Whitfield. Reminding you to eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark. And remember, always remember to drink apple juice because OJ will kill ya!